I will say if there's probably one Sunday that I talk about the most in ministry, it's this Sunday. Um, I absolutely love what I call Rose Sunday. And I'm excited. Uh, I'm anxious. I just love it. Uh, It's a Sunday about authentic faith. We've been talking about in the church um, the series, the, 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 the beginning of the year, it's, it's all about authentic vision. Like, who are we? And, and where are we going? And, and the reality as a pastor is that God said to me, it's not about where we're going, but it's about who we are. And if we can't be authentic and genuine in who we are, then really it doesn't matter where we go. We were talking about 1 Corinthians 13 in Sunday school again this morning. And the reality of without love, it, none of it matters. It's not about a destination. It's not about the, 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 the size or what God's doing. But it's about us and us being genuinely who God made us to be. The beauty was last week we looked at a, at a couple verses. Um, we were in Luke chapter 10. We were in Matthew as well. Can you turn this up just a little bit, Irene? Thank you. We were in Luke chapter 10 and, and, and we were in, in, in a couple verses in Matthew. It's in Mark. This is authentic faith. This is genuine religion, if you want to say that. A genuine relationship. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. A teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's what we talked about last week, was, was the reality that for for authentic faith, we have to love God with all. And if you recall, as we talked last week, we talked about the love of God and, and, and that we're supposed to love Him. But, but the reality was I couldn't tell you how. Remember my silly illustration with my wife where I brought her up and I went through all the Facebook posts of all the ways I was supposed to love her. But none of that was genuine love to my wife because I was just doing it because it's what everyone else said. And so often we want to love God and we want to do it well, and so we just try and do what everybody else is doing. But what I said as a pastor, the reality that God brought me to was that we can't love God without experiencing His love. We love God because He loved us first, is what Scripture says. And so the expression of my love, the way I love God, the way I demonstrate my love to God comes completely through the revelation of His love for me. There's a scripture, I believe it's in 1 Peter, that says the love of Christ, it's what compels us. I'm compelled by the love that I've experienced. And so when I demonstrate my love to God, it's as a response to the love that He's shown me. How did He show me love? Through His Son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to look at the second half. Then He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then He said, and love your neighbor... As, you, as yourself, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. And he's not talking about just live, but he's talking about the guy said, how will I have eternal life? This is, this is absolutely the formula for authentic faith. But how many know if it's hard to love God, it's even harder to love people? Right? Maybe I'm just a pastor and I say that. <laughs> but I promise at times, it's hard to comprehend how to love God, but there are some people it's impossible how to figure out how to love. You know what I'm saying? And so this morning, we've got to start in the same place 
that we started with, with last week. As we look at these verses and as we continue to dig in the Word of God, I want you to hear this. We cannot talk. We're going to talk about loving people today. But we can't start without beginning with loving God. We can't have a conversation about how to love people unless we recognize the necessity of God's love in me. Because I promise you, apart from his love, I fail at loving people. Apart from the love of God, there are people I struggle to love. Maybe it's just me. There's a couple others that are nodding. But I mean, the, the reality is, is that, that Jesus, when he was... When he was talking the law, when it was written, this was written in Deuteronomy. God, when he, he did this, he wasn't saying start with loving people. I believe that God was very intentional in the way he lined this out. He started with recognizing loving God and then, and then loving people. And so as we talk about roses, as we, as we talk about outreach and all these things, it's imperative that we don't forget that this begins with the love of God. Uh, I, I'll say it now, and I'll probably say it again later. We're, we're, if you haven't figured it out, we're going to hand out some roses today. Um, they're not up here just for decoration. Some of them don't look so good, so don't give those out. Take them home or something. I don't care. Um, my kids like to play with them and throw rose petals around. But whatever. But the reality is, you know, oftentimes I think that we get so anxious about the idea of evangelism. Like my goal is there's probably what's left 175 roses up here. My goal is that we go to 175 people and say, I want you to know that God loves you. But so often we get so frightened by the reality of, oh my gosh, you want me to do what? And the reality is, I think we begin with the people part rather than the God part. And so it's frightening. Genuine, authentic faith says that God, see, He pours His love into you. And then the simple request He has for us, we're going to look at the story that Jesus gives in just a few minutes, but the simple plan He has for our life is not that we produce love, but that we pour out the love that he's poured in me. And so when it comes to demonstrating God's love, I don't have to produce this crazy love that God, God showed me. I just simply have to allow myself. The, the analogy I like to use was, was in Rome, and they used to have these things called conduits where the water would go. We have pipes, right? How smart is a pipe? Has anyone ever looked at a pipe and said, man, you've got a hard job. I wouldn't want to do it. Right? A pipe simply is, and the water simply flows through it. Sometimes, I believe, we, we complicate the reality of what God desires us to do, where he simply wants to pour his love in me and through me into someone else. I'm simply the pipe. I'm simply the vessel in which God's love is transferred. Man, that makes it so much easier. It's not about what I say. It's not about how I say. It's not about what questions they ask. It's as simple as God's love is poured in me. 
and I want it to be revealed to you. He says we're his witnesses. We're the hands and feet. He's going to use us. We are the body of Christ. It's his plan. His plan is for us to be filled with his love so we can demonstrate it to others. Rose Sunday, that's what I want to do. That's what this day is about. Us simply being the vessel through which God's love flows. Interestingly enough, this this story that we're looking at, these verses that we've read in Luke chapter 10, Jesus unpacks a little bit about loving our neighbor, loving people. He doesn't go very far in loving God. He just says, love God with all. That's where it stops. But then when this whole idea of loving people, he gives us a story that we've heard. We've learned it. We've watched our kids act it out in children's church or whatever else. But it's a story that brings revelation to, to loving people. This is the way Jesus decided to describe it. So I want to look at these words again this morning as we're talking about loving people and see what he has to say. Before I I read them, I'm going to pray, Father, we thank you for this day. And I thank you for what you're going to accomplish through us this day. God, I pray for each of us in this room that, that whether it's been through worship or it's through the word or even through prayer at the end of service, God, that you would fill us with the love of God. I ask, God, that you would pour out your love in this place. As we look at the word, God, I pray that your love would flow through us. God, I pray that our ears would be open, our eyes and our hearts be yielded to you, that you could accomplish your work. Father, for myself, I pray every bit of me would be taken away, that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So the man asked Jesus, well, or, or, or Jesus asked the, the, the religious leader in, in Luke chapter 10. He says, uh, who is my neighbor? Um, but the man wanted to justify himself. And so he looked at Jesus and he said, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus gives him this answer. Because he just told him to love his neighbor. And he says, this is in, in verse 30 of Luke chapter 10. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem from Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. It says that in verse 31, a priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, and he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. When he saw him, he took pity on him, and when he had bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he brought the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn to take care of him. Or and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hand of robbers? Now what's this? I mean, it's a simple story. What happens? There's a guy walking, and what happens? Someone wants his money, so he beats him, right? Steals his money, takes his clothes, leaves him half naked and half dead on the side of the road. Do you see need there? I think that's the whole point of the the guy who got beat up. There's someone who has need, right? It's It's a very physical, it's a very real need. It's an apparent need. 
He's been beaten up, he's been robbed, and he's left on the side of the road. Uh, I don't think it was a normal occasion to be walking down the street and see a half-naked, half-dead guy on the side of the road in Jerusalem. Okay? There's a guy that, that, that's in need. It's apparent need. It's, 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 it's real need. And there's these other characters that, that, that come along. Right? Who was the first one? The priest. The priest does what? He walks by on the other side. I mean, do you get that in Scripture when you read that? Here's what I see. Have you ever been there? Um, I talked about sometimes it's hard to love people. Have you ever been to Walmart? Walk down the other aisle? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You see someone who you know has had need, but you walk down the other aisle? Been there a lot. That's what's happened. I mean, literally the priest. Now, what's the priest's job? I mean, I grew up Catholic, and so my understanding of priest is in a whole different vein. I could not get to God except through the priest. Right? I mean, it's not the priest's job. He was the mediator. He would be the one that would actually go into the temple and present the sacrifices. He was the one through which God kind of comes to man. Like, that's his job. And he positions himself away from the need. Like, he literally chooses, like, the dude is here, I see him here, so I will walk over here, and I will look at these beautiful roses so no one sees, I can act like I didn't even see the man. He saw him, and he walked on the other side of the road. But he kept walking. Why? I mean, the only, I'm sure there's some logical answers. The most logical answer that comes to my mind is that he was just a prideful person. He was more worried about himself than he was others. Maybe he had his new phylactery on and he didn't want to get it dirty. But he was a prideful man who didn't want to do what he was designed to do. Maybe he was too good. That's not my job. I'm not supposed to do that. I can't get my hands dirty. I just get to tell you what to do. I get my hands dirty with the sacrifice. That's enough. And so he chose to, to walk on the other side, to position himself away from the need. Like, I think we wrestle with that at times. Loving people. Like at times we recognize the need. But we make an intentional choice to position ourselves away from the need rather than put ourselves in the middle of the need. Even though we are designed to be the conduit, the vessel through which God's love flows, we make an intentional choice to separate ourselves from the need, whether it's because we say we're too good. Think about the disciples washing feet. They didn't want to do it because it wasn't their job. It needed to be done, but it wasn't their job. I think at times we we allow self, which this would be sin, <laughs> to interfere with what God wants us to do, and we say, you know what? Not today. 
Philippians chapter 2. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Those, those words, I mean, that's not humility, value others above yourself. So the whole idea of value is a word that, that really has been wrestling in my spirit. Like, and and it, some of it comes with when I minister to, to rural pastors or people. I really think that, that the essence of us is we desire to be valued. And sometimes we're not good at receiving value, and sometimes we're not good at expressing value. But to value something more than yourself, to value others more than yourself, that means I can stop. That means I can do. I'm not going to walk away. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. You know, I talked about this model that God has. He said, love God and love people. Did not Christ model this best? Did he not lay down every title that he had so that I could experience the love of God? Did he not take the form of a man even though he was a son of God so I could experience the fullness of God's love? Did not he, he lay down himself and his, his wants and his desires? Not my will, God, but yours be done so I could experience the fullness of his love? Yet at times our titles they get in the way of his love. Then There was this, it says in, in, the King, or in the New International, it says this Levite. And for some of us, when we read that, I need to get my new living translation so I know what it means. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when I don't understand a word, I just get a simpler translation. That's okay. In the New Living Translation, it says a temple assistant walked over. Because I mean, you know, because I, I, I struggled honestly because a Levite and priest... Levites were the tribe of Levi. They were the ones who fulfilled these duties in some ways. So I'm wrestling with what's the difference here? What is Jesus illuminating here? The New Living Translation, it says the temple assistant. I read a study or or just a a Bible dictionary on on the word Levite. It said they served as assistants of the priest. It was their duty to keep the sacred utensils in the temple clean, to provide sacred loaves, to, to open and shut the gates of the temple, to sing a sacred hymn, in the temple to do many other things. So they had a lot of responsibility. Like the priests, they had a lot of renown. But the assistants had a lot to do. You ever been there? Why do I look at the other aisle in Walmart? It's because I got somewhere to be other than Walmart. I think a lot of us can understand this whole idea of something to do a whole lot better. It was, it was less about the title now, but it's more about what they have to do. Now, what did this one do? It says, a temple assistant walked over. Now, imagine this. Dude is half naked and dead right here, being robbed and beaten. It says that along comes a Levite or a temple assistant. Now, he's got a lot going on. I mean, he's got a, he's got a high-maintenance priest 
who wants everything done, and they got a big service. They're going to give out roses, and they got to take care of everything that needs to be taken care of. Someone's got to pick the roses and pick the, the, the petals off of them, make sure there's water in them. I mean, it's a big day. We're going to show lots of love. Lots of people are coming. Lots to get done. Got to make sure the priest's shoes are shined. Got to make sure everything's in order. The right songs are being sung. I mean, I got all this stuff to do. So he's walking along thinking about, this is Pastor Steve's version right now. Please know that this is a little bit different than what you'll read. You've got one line. I'm going to give you about 30. Okay? So he's walking along thinking about everything that needs to be done. Hmm, that's interesting. He walks over to this dude. It says that he looked at him. I mean, at least the priest acted like he didn't see him. The temple assistant said he walked over. He looked at him lying there. He walked away and walked down the other side of the street. Now, how in the world? What's, what's going on? My, my, my philosophy, I mean, there's just some, some reasonable thoughts. He's looking at this dude, and he's seeing how much is involved in helping him in this situation, but he's got all this stuff to do, so he walks this way, right? Or he looks at this dude and says, hey, we watch movies sometimes, and when we make... You know, as a family and someone dies so our kids don't get worked up, we just go, he did. So if you're ever watching me with my kid and they just go, he did, it's okay. I mean, either that, either he looked at him and said, there's way too much to do right now, or he looked at him and said, he's too far gone, he did, and he just kept going. I mean, really, that's the logical, I mean, understanding right now in this, this story that Jesus is telling. But he's got so much to get done. But whether it's too much or he too far gone, it doesn't matter because he's got more important things to get done. And then Jesus said there was a Samaritan. And I, I, I don't want to go too far in to, to that reality. Well, I guess there was another scripture I had to read. Ephesians chapter 5 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't say, He did. But understand what the Lord wants you to do. God puts you in situations every day. And I understand life is busy. And I understand there's a lot to get done. i got four kids and my kids are just getting into school. And I can't imagine what it's like when they're all in school. I mean, as a pastor, there's all these things that I want to get done. And when God wants to get my attention, He just keeps bringing people in my life. So I can't keep doing what needs to be done. Like, literally, that's the way me and God works. Like, so if I get too involved in my duties, he's going to interrupt me. He's going to interrupt me not once, not twice, but about 14 times. So I get so frustrated that I say, what in the world is going on? And I say, I'm not going to talk to anybody else. And he brings someone else in. And I say, oh, okay. It's not about all this stuff. It's about the revelation of God's love. And the priest just wants people to experience God and the temple system is just trying to do whatever it takes so people can experience God but the reality is when presented with the opportunity they don't make the most of every opportunity they forget to see the opportunity that lies before them and they neglect what God desires them to accomplish I want to say it's not about who you are I want to say it's not about what you have to do but I believe that God wants to reveal his love through you 
I believe that God desires moments for you to be placed somewhere. And it may be uncomfortable and it may be awkward and you may not like the way this person looks, smells, talks, or acts. But God wants to use you to be a revelation of his love. Yet so often we say, I'm too good, not me, someone else, or I've got other things to do. There was a third man. He was a Samaritan. It says as he traveled. Now, he wasn't qualified, right? Samaritans were bad. The easiest way for me to put it, they were the rejects. We weren't allowed to associate with them. They were kind of like uh, uh, Colorado fans. You know, just don't talk to them, right, Ryan? I mean, for me, I would say a Browns fan. They're a special breed of people. I'd say Steelers, but Jim's not here right now. So, but, but the reality, I mean, they were people you were not allowed to associate with. Like they were just unclean. They need to help people. You know what I mean? He comes along. He traveled. He saw where the man was. When he saw him, it says that he didn't look away. He walked over to him just like the other guy did. But rather than saying this is too much, or rather than saying he did, he took pity on him. He went to him. And he bandages. I'm guessing. Now, I don't know. Maybe you guys are more prepared than I am. Now, this is Pastor Steve's version, so please give me a moment of leeway. Most people aren't carrying a roll of bandages in their back pocket. So I'm going to guess. This is just, again, I don't know this. I'm going to guess he's ripping his garment to bandage this guy's wound. That might have been the one he just got on sale at J.C. Penney last night, but it didn't matter in that moment because the need was greater than the stuff. The need was more important than the responsibilities. The need was bigger than the title. And so it says that he took pity on him and, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. We don't know why he was drunk walking, but he had oil and wine with him. He wasn't. He brought him to the end to take care of him. And then we see verse 35. It says, the next day. So what happened? I mean, how long was this encounter? It was overnight at least, right? He didn't have a cell phone to call his wife and say, hey, babe, I ain't coming home tonight. He didn't have his cell phone to call his kids and say, hey, you got, you got to make sure the garbage gets taken out and the floors get swept and all the things that need to be done get done. But he literally put someone else's needs above his own. If I rip my clothes and bandage your knees, I pour out my good wine on you and oil. And I say, let's go to the end because, hey, he dead. I don't even know if this dude's going to make it. I'm going to see him through the night. We know he had something to do because it says the next day he gives the innkeeper two denarii and says, I got some more things to accomplish. He was on his on that road for a purpose. I got something I got to do. And so he says, here's a couple dollars or whatever to take care of this. I'll be back. It wasn't that he didn't have things to do. It wasn't that his life wasn't wasn't busy. 
But he stopped in a moment and seized the opportunity. It wasn't about his time. It wasn't about his possessions. It wasn't about his energy, because I'm guessing that was a long walk to the end with the half-dead dude that, 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 that... It wasn't about his wealth. He was willing to buy himself and, and this other guy a room. It wasn't about his priorities. It was about the one who had need. God said, who was a neighbor? Who loved people? Oh, the priest had a great service that night. Everything was in order. He preached a great message that night. The temple assistant got all his job done. He ain't got a gold star on his star chart that night from the priest for getting everything done. I mean, and God did some incredible things in that service. It's a good thing. Jesus said, who was authentic? Who was genuine? First John chapter, read chapters 3 and 4. They're awesome chapters in First John. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I want to tell you that God has poured out his love in your life. How great is it that I can be called a child of God? God has poured out his love in our life. This is how we know what love is. That Jesus Christ... Laid down his life for us. God poured out his love when Jesus Christ said, It's not about my sin, but it's about your sin. When he said, I will take the cross and be the penalty that pays for all sin from, from, from here and forevermore. We ought to lie down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions, he's a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? That's an ouch question. You ever read scripture and you say, ouch? And then you just say, I'm just not going to read. I'm going to keep on reading. If anyone has material possessions, and the pastor doesn't just keep on reading, he reiterates. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and truth. First John chapter 4. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love, it comes from God. This is this whole idea of conduits. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. What? 
This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. See, he's the source. This is where it starts. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we ought to. You know, Ryan, I don't know if you ever use ought to's in class. Sometimes in parenting we have you ought to, which means just do it. (laughs) It's not really like this is a hypothetical here. We ought to. You know, your kids ought to clean their room and they ought to mind their mom and dad. And This is one of those things. Dear friends, since God has so loved us, we ought to. We should expect to. We should anticipate that, that we love others. We ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. I've been wrestling. Talk about value. God has poured something in you so valuable. God has demonstrated his love for you in such a way that you could be filled with it, that you could experience it. You know what I'm talking about, those moments where you recognize, wow, God loves me in spite of myself? That moment Angie was talking in, in, in Sunday school about the first moment she heard about God's love, the, 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 the love that she'd never experienced before, and it lives with her today. How valuable is that? Greg was talking in Sunday school about letting our light shine. Why? God has given you the most remarkable gift. I talk about being the conduit of his love because he's filled you with it for the purpose of showing it to others. I mean, I'm silly. My silly analogy of wanting others to experience something that's good, I serve them Cincinnati chili because I think it's delicious. Don't you shake your head. Amanda just doesn't have a refined palate, okay? Man, am I more excited about Cincinnati chili than I am the love God revealed through His Son, Jesus Christ? Am I more excited to show someone my iPhone XYZ 200? And all that it can accomplish than sharing the love of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, God has poured out his love in your life. If you haven't received his love, if you say, I don't know what that love is. He says that that God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. That means that while I was doing things that he didn't like, he sent his very best so that I could be with him forever. God pours out his love on us. He demonstrates his love to us. God still desires for that love to be poured into you. But not just for you. But for others. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if any was in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We have a ministry of reconciliation. He defines it. That God was reconciling the word to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I want to say it again. He said it twice. He wants to say it twice today. You have a a ministry of reconciliation. He says, therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. You are absolutely Christ's ambassador. You're his representative in this world. What are you representing? You're his representation of love. He wants to make his appeal through your life through your actions, through your willingness to lay down your titles, for, for your willingness to, to set aside your busyness, for your willingness to say, hey, here's what I got. This is all I got. You know, this might be a little dirty, but your bandage, your wound looks pretty bad right now, so it doesn't matter. Use what you have so you can spend time, so you can spend energy and effort with someone showing them the love of Christ. That's the ministry he's given us. That's why I love the Rose Outreach. You guys can come forward. Good luck. We've been singing Kiss from a Rose by Seal. I don't know if you want to sing that. I'm just kidding. This morning I have 175 roses. You know, and I know it's Sunday and you probably got lunch. There's a lot of men in the room. I know this is a hard one for men sometimes because if I give a rose to anybody but my wife, they think i got a thing for them. When you make up the excuses. But I want to tell you, God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. And this, this Sunday, I love it so much because I feel like the church, we become the vessel through which God flows. We become the body of Christ. We are used how God designed us to be used. God lavished his love on you. Maybe someone else needs to experience it. Maybe someone else needs to hear it. You know, this is, some of you have never been here before, so I'm just going to explain how this works. I got these roses, and, 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 and as, they, as they sing a song, I just want you to be praying about, hey, who's someone that needs to know God loves them? You know, and, and, and guys in the back, college guys, these are not from you. You can't go find a sweet little girl and say, hey, here's a rose, Andrew. You can't do that. I thought of you this morning and I wanted to give it to you. No, that's not the answer. My only request is if you take a rose, I want you to look someone in the eye. And I want them to, to know that, that you thought of them, that you were thinking and you were, you were in a service and the pastor was crazy and he was telling stories and telling jokes, but, but the essence of what he was saying was that people need to know God's love.
You know, and as he was, as he was talking and as, as we were praying, as the service was coming together, God placed you on my heart today. And I just want to say God loves you. You know, and I love this Sunday because it, it forces us to think about it. But you know what? These aren't the only roses in the world. And this isn't the only way to do it. It's just supposed to be a, a reminder. You know, Valentine's Day, we're all about love. People need to know love. People need to know the Father's love. I believe it this morning. God will lay people on your heart, you know, and... And we got roses. If you just want to take the roses, you can. We got some vases. If you want to put them in a vase, I even made some little tags this year that say Happy Valentine's Day. You can write on there if you want. But there's more roses than there are people. So if you want to take two or three, that's fine. Four or five, go at it. You take a jar, you better give them to someone. I guess they're vases, aren't they? You know, and the other thing I thought about this morning, I often do this, and, and I say to everyone, you know, take these roses to everybody. But you know, if you're in this room this morning, and you need to know God loves you, take yourself a rose. Take yourself a rose and put it somewhere so it reminds you of the love your Father has for you, because I want to tell you this morning that God loves you. I want to tell you he loves you extravagantly. I want to tell you he loves you so much he sent his very best so that you could feel his love for you. Father, we come to you this morning and I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for authentic faith and the expression of authentic faith. And God, I pray across this room, I know that, that, that some of, we've already thought about someone or something have said there's no one else and I pray, God, we could lay down ourselves right now. We could recognize, God, the beauty of what you've given us. Your love. The joy of, of the ministry to which you've called us, which is reconciliation. Which is bringing people into your love. God, I pray that you would use us for your work. For each one in this room, God, those, those lives, those faces, those people, neighbors or family members, God, or co-workers or colleagues or students or teachers or whatever it might be, God, this day, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ you begin to put faces God, you promised us in Acts chapter 2 that you would give us the power. You say we've been endued with power. That's the Holy Spirit of God who indwelled us at salvation, God. You've given us the power to be able to do this in love. God, that this morning wouldn't be about obligation, that this morning wouldn't be about what others see, but this morning we would be compelled by the love of God, compelled by the love of Christ to be a demonstration of that love. In Jesus' name.
encourages. They lead us in a, in a chorus. The, the roses will be here. If you find one that's droopy and you don't think it's good enough, just lay it this side. That's all right. But if you think of some faces, if you think of some people, if you think of some ones that you can demonstrate love to, I encourage you to come get them a rose and, and go after service and, and take it to them and just let them know that, that God loves them. I say these are the most valuable roses in the world. Think about what that rose representation of His love. God's going to use you this day. I'm telling you, it is a fun day. Some of you are going to say, man, I should have grabbed a few more roses. Walmart sells them. Safeway sells them. Dollar Store sells fake ones. That worked out well for me last week. Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May He turn His face towards you and grant you His peace. And may you be an ambassador of God's love. Amen? May you demonstrate His love. May you be the revelation of His love. Be blessed.